I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we come before your word this day, we pray that you would help uh, help us stand uh, in your presence uh, with eyes and hearts and ears and spirits uh, that are open uh, to the word you have for us this day. Lord, we give you thanks that you are a living God. Um, that through the power of your spirit, uh, your scripture um, becomes alive to us anew each and every time we encounter it. Um, enliven us this day uh, through the gift of your word. Uh, we stand here to receive. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. So our scripture today comes from Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 to 14. Uh, let us listen to God's word for us this morning. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land that I am giving you and harvest its produce, you must bring the first bundle of your harvest to the priest. The priest will lift up the bundle before the Lord so that it will be acceptable on your behalf. The priest will do this on the day after the Sabbath. On the day the bundle is lifted up for you, you must offer a flawless one-year-old lamb as an entirely burned offering to the Lord. The accompanying grain offering must be two-tenths of an ephah of choice flour mixed with oil as a food gift for the Lord, a soothing smell. The accompanying drink offering must be a quarter of a hin of wine. You must not eat any bread, roasted grain, or, or fresh grain until the exact day when you bring your op God's offering. This is a permanent rule throughout your future generations, wherever you live. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So as we move through the feast commanded by God to the Israelites, as they stepped out of slavery and into freedom, one of the things I am noticing is how tangible and connected to daily life each of these festivals and the offerings connected to them were in the Israelites' agrarian society. Today's feast, the Feast of the First Fruits, is a prime example of that reality. As God prepared to lead Israel into the promised land, he commanded this festival that required that the first fruits of the harvest each year from that land be brought to the Lord as an offering to remind the people that the land and what it provided to them was a gift from the Lord to remind them that it was not fully a product of their own efforts, but that there was gift and grace that played such an important role in the harvest. In our world today, things are often a little less clear-cut and tangible. Our family's foray into farming definitely helps bring what God is asking of the Israelites into focus here, though. I know what it takes to care for our boars and sows so that they can bring healthy litters into the world. 
I know what it takes to raise a pig for 10 months before it is ready for harvest. I know how easily things can go wrong, how losses come on the farm. And so I can begin to get a sense of the act of trust it is to bring the first of your harvest before God as an offering without the guarantee of what will come next. Yet farming for us is not the primary source of our sustenance and livelihood. So even though my understanding is deepened by my experience on our small farm, it's still limited. What does the proverbial harvest look like for you and I today? What are the first fruits in our day and age? I still remember a sermon, the pastor I first worked for under um, in my college and early adult years gave on this topic, where he shared his wife's and his own practice each month. When receiving his pay for the month, they would sit down together at their kitchen table to pay the bills and plan their budget, and the first check they would write every time was their tithe, their offering to the church. It would come out of their earnings, their proverbial harvest first, and then they would use what was left to cover the bills and expenses for the remainder of the month. Well, that practice may still work for some, in a world where so much of our resources are moved electronically with direct deposits and automated bill pay and online banking, even that example of how we meaningfully offer our first fruits from 20 years ago feels a bit distant to life as we live it now. Plus, as we consider what the harvest looks like in our lives today, it's important to consider what we are actually offering when we come before our God with our first fruits. So the girls and I watched Luca, which is the new Pixar movie this week. It's got kind of a My Little Mermaid feel to it, but instead of mermaids, it's what the humans off the Italian coast where the movie is set call sea monsters. Under the water, the sea monsters live an agrarian existence. The main character herds fish for his family with a fish crook to corral them. Other people in their village harvest seaweed with a scythe. They raise shelled crabs to compete in their county fair. But when they go to the surface and dry off, the sea monsters magically turn into human form. And the story is about the main character exploring the human world against his parents' wishes. There are a number of funny and telling moments as the sea monsters take in and try to understand human culture. And one of them comes when they are shown what the prize is for an upcoming race in the village where they were. Last year's race winner drives a shiny new red Vespa scooter, and the sea monsters turned teenage boys are already longing for one for themselves. When they ask a local girl about the race and its prize, she responds, telling them prize money is the prize, as she shows them a handful of coins. The boys kind of look at each other, um, and the one pushes the other to ask her about the prize money. His friend turns to him and says, why? That stuff is useless. His friend responds, 
maybe that stuff becomes a Vespa. How does that become a Vespa? His friend asks. Just ask her, his friend cajoles. So once more they go to her and ask, so can you turn that money stuff into something else? In an agrarian society, time and energy are mixed with the gifts of the earth to produce and provide what is needed for people to survive and thrive. In our economy today, we use our time and energy to earn money that allows us to buy what is needed for our survival and then some more. But at the root of both is our time and our energy, our labor and our skills put to use. When we think about the first fruits of the harvest in our lives today, I think it's important to get at the root of where our offerings come from, to think about what it means to make a meaningful, sacrificial one, much like God first called the Israelites to all those years ago. So I know I've told you this story before, but it's one that is powerful enough it bears repeating. At my church in San Antonio, we had an intern from Nicaragua join us for a year of service in our community. At the end of his time there, we gathered at our pastor's home for a celebrate, celebratory dinner and send-off for our friend Jaime. When he was given a chance to say a few words, instead of a simple thanksgiving for his time with us, he also added prophetic words of challenge that were born out of the contrast between his life in Nicaragua, where so many people worked tirelessly to raise the food that would feed their families, and our life here in the U.S. I will never forget his words to us. You all give of your fat, your excess, that which you do not really need. When will you give of the meat from your bones? When will you give of the meat from your bones? His words hit me at my core when I first heard them. They still do when I remember them some 20 years later. The festival of the first fruits reminds us that we are not to give God our leftovers, our fat, our excess, but instead the first and the best of the harvest of our lives, the meat from our bones, even when we aren't quite sure how the rest of the harvest will turn out or how long our stores will last. In the offering, there is this acknowledgement of God's provision that comes first. For the Israelites, it was land and sun and water. For us, it is the same with life and time and health and the gifts we have been given that have allowed us to realize the harvests our own lives have borne. In 1 Corinthians, it talks about Jesus as being a first fruit, saying, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. God gave sacrificially to us when God gave Jesus to us. Christ's life, his time and energy on earth, not only showed us what this life is meant to, to be, it also produced a harvest. A harvest of love that was reaped on the cross 
harvest of life that was realized at the empty tomb. Through Christ, we have been set free from sin so that instead of living our lives for ourselves, we are free to live our lives in service to our God, which is amazingly where we will find our life. Jesus tells us that it is those who lose their lives that will find them. When we live for ourselves alone, trying to produce and provide the life we think we need, y'all, somewhere in the mix of all of that striving and clutching, we actually lose out on what is most sacred and precious about this life. Yep, when by the grace of God given to us in Jesus, we are willing to offer up our lives in service to God, y'all, then we are surprised with the gift of life as it was meant to be. Life and love shared generously and freely. Does this involve our bank accounts? Sure it does. Of course it does. We all know that a handful of coins in our economy aren't useless. We all know that money can be turned into something else. But does it just involve our bank accounts? Absolutely not. Across time and space, the first fruits of our lives are born out of our time and energy. What would it look like to give God the first fruits of our time? What would it look like to give God the first fruits of our energy? What would it look like to give God the first fruits of our harvest? In Deuteronomy, the words are recorded that every Israelite who brought their first fruit offering was to say, as they presented the offering before God in the temple at Jerusalem at the feast of the first fruits. It's a litany that is a testimony of the ways God's provision led to the first fruits that were being offered. As I recite it for you here in just a moment and perform one part of that ritual as it might have been done then, I invite you to join me to consider what your testimony is of the ways God has provided for you. And I'd invite you to join me to think about what it looks like to offer up the first fruits of your time, your energy, your harvest to your God. So hear this testament of the faithfulness of our God. A wandering Armenian was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place 
and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me.